welcome to the Green Tunnel, a podcast on the history of the Appalachian Trail. My name is Mills Kelly, and I'm your host. In between our main episodes, we're doing a series of short segments on iconic locations up and down the Appalachian Trail. Previously, we've looked at the Washington Monument in Maryland, McAfee Knob in Virginia, and the Lemon Squeezer in New York. Today, we're going uphill to the highest point in the Northeast, the summit of Mount Washington. When Benton Mackay first proposed the Appalachian Trail in 1921, he wanted it to run from the summit of Mount Mitchell, the highest point in the Southeast, to the summit of Mount Washington, the highest point in the Northeast. There would be subsidiary trails to places like Mount Katahdin in Maine and Cohetta Mountain in Georgia, but the Mitchell to Washington route was to be the main trail. The Appalachian Trail Conference met for the first time in 1925, and already Mount Mitchell was off the agenda. Conference members from the Southeast argued successfully for routing the trail through the Smokies instead of to Mount Mitchell, and Katahdin had displaced Mount Washington as the northern terminus. But the trail that they agreed upon at that first meeting was still rooted up and over the summit of Mount Washington. If you haven't been on the summit, you may still have heard that Mount Washington has some of the most extreme weather in the lower 48 states. In fact, on April the 12th, 1934, the Weather Observatory on the summit recorded a world record wind speed of 231 miles per hour, a record that stood until 1996. Humans have been hiking on Mount Washington for centuries, but the Abenaki and Algonquin peoples avoided the summit for religious reasons. They believed that the summits of the tallest mountains were the abodes of the gods and should be avoided out of reverence. European settlers were not so reverent, and so were already climbing the mountain in the 17th century. The Crawford Path, built from Crawford Notch to the mountain summit in 1819, is considered to be the oldest continuously maintained hiking path in the United States. And in 1915, the Appalachian Mountain Club built their Lakes of the Clouds hut just below the summit. We have some historic photos of that hut in the show notes. That particular hut has a tragic backstory. It's the biggest AMC hut out of all eight of our backcountry high mountain huts. It's by far the most popular just because of where it is. That's Becky Fullerton, the archivist of the Appalachian Mountain Club. It's beautiful up there. But it was actually born out of a tragedy. In June of 1900, William B. Curtis and Alan Ormsby, both of New York City, were on their way to what was called a field meeting with the Appalachian Mountain Club. And it was being held at the summit of Mount Washington. So they decided to hike up the Crawford Pass, which leads from Crawford Notch all the way to the summit. It's about eight and a half miles. And the weather was... Okay, the morning that they set out, but it deteriorated as they got higher up. By the time they reached Mount Pierce and Mount Eisenhower, which was known as Mount Pleasant at the time, it was raining, it was starting to turn cold. They met another party on their way down that said, we're turning around, we suggest you do the same, and they did not. Curtis seems to have collapsed somewhere right around where the lakes of the clouds are. 
Ormsby went a little bit farther up the trail, probably in hopes of saving himself and Curtis by reaching the summit and reaching help. It was only about a mile and a half away further up the trail, uh, but he too eventually collapsed and they probably both died of exposure. The following year, the club put up this little rescue shed, essentially. It's just a little sort of triangular shed. By 1915, it was clear that maybe some kind of more elaborate building should be put there. And we we had two other huts by that point as well. So it made sense. So in 1915, they built the hut. It had room for about a dozen people. It was made of stone that was uh, native on the site. That's kind of how it got started. And actually, when it opened in August... They started running the hut. They had a caretaker there. And not too long after, a small party of people were snowbound there for four days. So it was a really fortunate uh, moment when they when they first opened the hut. It probably saved some lives rather than poor Curtis and Armsby, who didn't make it. Obviously, Mount Washington can be a dangerous place, even in the summer. When we think back about Mackay's initial proposal that the trail should cross the mountain summit, one puzzle remains unanswered. Mackay was an ardent advocate for the AT being a wilderness trail, and it was this insistence on a wilderness experience that led to his falling out with Myron Avery in the 1930s. We covered that dispute extensively in our first episode. But the summit of Mount Washington, for all its wild weather, was definitely not a wilderness experience. By the time that the trail was being laid and kind of coming through that area, there was a lot going on on the summit of Mount Washington. There was was a hotel up there continuously from the 1800s onward. There, eventually there was a huge visitor center built. The observatory that started there in 1932 had all of its own observation equipment and towers and buildings. When you're hiking up Mount Washington, if it's uh, kind of a foggy day and you can't really see that far ahead of you on the trail and you're going up the Crawford path, you're just surrounded by this rocky slope with grasses that are just being whipped by the wind. and And it seems really wild and kind of desolate, strange and eerie. But as soon as you sort of crest the very last bunch of rocks around the summit, you're faced with huge metal radio towers and cell phone towers and all these other kinds of things. And then you see this enormous building you can walk in and buy a slice of pizza if you want to. And then on on a nice day when it's busy, there's the Cog Railway that's bringing up trainfuls of people riding up the train, which is a really amazing experience. There are people who are driving up on the auto roadside. There are tons of other hikers. You tend to end up waiting in line to have a picture of yourself taken next to the official summit sign. Clearly, a far cry from the wilderness experience Mackay always insisted on. Why he could overlook all those tourists on Mount Washington while fighting tooth and nail against Skyline Drive in Shenandoah National Park will just have to remain a mystery. That's it for today. Our next episode on the history of the trail shelters will be out shortly. Be sure and come back and give it a listen. The Green Tunnel is a production of R2 Studios at the Roy Rosenzweig Center for History and New Media at George Mason University. Today's episode was produced by me. Abby Mullen is our executive producer, and Jeanette Patrick did the sound design for this episode. A special thanks to Becky Fullerton of the Appalachian Mountain Club for her insights about the old AMC huts. 
Before you go, be sure to go to our website and sign up for our newsletter, 5 Million Steps. It contains additional material that we just couldn't fit into our episodes. On the website, greentunnel.rrchnm.org, just click the Become a Member link at the top right of the screen, and you can sign up. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon.